You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 85 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is the show for October 2020. Um, This is sort of, kind of, a, a part two of last month's show, I guess. Um, I hadn't planned last month's show to, to be a two-parter, and in some ways this isn't. But anyway, I got really great listener feedback from the last show, um, uh, also, actually, a really noticeable uptick in Patreon and PayPal support. So thank you very much to everyone who who sort of heard my appeal, I guess, at the end of the uh, previous episode and um, responded so kindly. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, and also, I got a lot of listener feedback uh, and a, a theme that kept coming up was that Everyone was sort of saying that I talked around the idea of finding beauty in ordinary things, but I didn't actually touch on that conversation. I, like I say, it was between the proverbial lines, but I never actually said it out loud because the point I was focusing on was if you can't change your place, then capture the same place over time, and then that change can be what you're capturing in photographs, and that's a valid point. But that is, when you think about it, that is a mechanism for finding beauty in the ordinary things around you every day, and that's actually a much bigger topic and much more interesting topic. So that's what I think I want to talk about this month, um, and I've been thinking a lot in the last month about about all this kind of stuff, and it's yeah, I I think I have some things to say. So, you know, we're all twenty twenty is twenty twenty, and I I can't believe I'm the only person struggling to stay motivated, to stay inspired, to keep photographing and even though it is a struggle this year like it has never been in any time in the last decade or so I am still you know when I look back when I look through my Flickr stream and click on the media tab I actually am still taking plenty of nice photographs so you know obviously I'm finding some inspiration even though I think I'm not I clearly am um but what is also noticeable is how much of my photography is around suburbia. That is sort of kind of where I'm trapped. I mean, in Ireland, we have a five-level system, and depending on how things are going, we move up and down the levels. And, I don't know, when things were at their tightest, we were confined to a five-kilometer radius of our house. And so that really, really confined me to suburbia. And then things loosened up a bit and we were able to go 20 kilometres, which is so liberating. So that sort of gives you a little bit of the local countryside. Um, and then things opened up completely and I was able to get back out on the bike in the normal way and, and that allowed me to get some photographs of places I hadn't been in some time. And then our county had a bit of an issue thanks to meat processing plants. Um, and so we were confined to our county, which is a, a whole other thing to bear in mind. I suddenly became very familiar with local geography exactly where the county bounds are. Um, and that 
still gave me some interesting things because basically I was exploring the edges of our county um, and discovering some new stuff. Um, but now we're, you know, then it opened up again and now we're back into a lockdown to the county and rumours are pretty strong. We're going to be back locked down, maybe, to, maybe even locked down to the 5k limit again. So all getting interesting. Anyway, the bottom line is the one thing that's been constant throughout my 2020 has been... I have been photographing mostly within the suburbs of Maynooth, which is the town I live in. Uh, because in fact, before COVID struck, I was struck, um, is the best way to say it. I, I was involved in a hit and run accident. And I was confined to not cycling while I was recovering because I, I had a bruised sternum. I do not recommend that to anyone. Um, and so the only exercise I get was on foot. So I had been confined to within walking distance by injury and then the pandemic came and I was confined to being within walking distance by pandemic. So my 2020 photography really is so focused on suburbia. But there are still ways to find beauty hiding in the utter mundane. I mean, suburbia is a very mundane place. I'm sorry. You know, there's an awful lot of very similar houses very similar streets you could be forgiven for not knowing where you are when you're in suburbia it's just acre upon acre of the same so i thought it might be interesting to to talk about some of the ways i found of finding some inspiration in these mundane settings and definitely 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 the one that has worked for me i you know i'm not saying this is the only way to do it but what works really well for me is to zoom in, to, to notice the detail that I would otherwise pass by. So at a macro scale, suburbia is suburbia is suburbia. But if you take the time to look literally in the cracks, um, there is nature everywhere. You know, little little pieces of beauty, you know, just all around, you know. Be that garden flowers, be that quote unquote weeds, or be that wild, you know, other wildlife poking about. And it happens at, it's, a lot of it happens at smaller scales, right? So little wildflowers peeking through between, you know, cracks in the pavement, cracks in the walls, hedgerows, whatever. Um, you have the various stages of flowers, right? I mean, we all know flowers are pretty, but actually flower buds can be very pretty. The, the seeds those flowers turn into can be very pretty. The berries those flowers turn into can be very pretty. The nuts that develop on trees can be very pretty. Particularly now in autumn, we have fungi sprouting up out of nowhere, right? I mean, they they live underground 99% of the time. We don't realise there's these mats of, of fungus, mycelae and stuff living under the ground, and then they just sprout up for a day or two through the grass, and then they vanish again. And now that we're coming into the fall... It's a really good reminder that leaves can be a source of grape beauty. And to be honest, I should should have noticed that before the fall, because actually, you know, green leaves growing can be beautiful subjects too. So nature really does offer a lot if you're prepared to get close. And so even within boring suburbia, there's lots of nature you can get up close to and find beauty in. Um, Something I'm not as good at, but I know other people can find it is uh, or can photograph it effectively. It's just not some, not a skill I have. Maybe I should play more at it. But there's often a lot of interesting textures and stuff around within suburbia that can become interesting subjects if you have the skill to do so. 
And the other thing I know in principle, but again, it's not really my my thing, is that architecture tends to have detail at all scales. Um, this was a, this is becoming less true over time. Modern architecture tends to only have detail at the very largest scale, but the older architecture is the more architects were interested in having something interesting at every scale. Um, I know it's something I learned when uh, at an exhibition here in Maynooth, actually, of um, the work of the architect uh, Pugin, who is probably most famous for having done the interiors of the House of the Houses of Parliament in Westminster. Um, but he designed a lot of churches. Also, actually, no, he wasn't the churches guy. That was um, William Hague. Um, he did also design the major architectural features of Maynooth University. Well, sorry, St. Patrick's College, Maynooth. And one of the features that was highlighted in his exhibition was that he, as the architect in Maynooth, was as concerned with the very low-level detailing on the textures on the windowsills. So that the stones would be textured in a certain way that you would have patterns when you got right in close. And if you step back a bit, there would be patterns in the stonework around the window. And if you step a bit further, you have the architecture as a whole. You know, And he would design everything from the door handles to the chairs to make sure that there was all of this tiny little detail in everything. Or rather, detail at every scale, interest at every scale, something to see at every scale. So if you're in a place full of man-made buildings, there may actually be detail to be found in the architecture around you even if there isn't much nature or if nature just isn't your bag um you know the, the, the buildings themselves may be full of detail at the scales that are not obvious um so that's definitely something to keep an eye out for so basically my first piece of advice is to get close we all know what suburbia looks like at you know the the one-to-one scale, as it were. Our normal view, you pick up your camera phone and you don't change, you don't zoom in or zoom out, you just point. You know, that is sort of the default scale of photography. And we all know what's where we look at that scale. And a lot of it's very boring at that scale. But zoom in, get close. If you know you may not be able to physically zoom, just you know, sneaker zoom and seek out the little details that are all around you that you probably just haven't noticed because you've been going through suburbia instead of being stuck spending time in it. So that's tip number one, I guess, or idea number one, or thing that has worked for me, number one, is just to get close. Now, that is something I've been doing an awful, awful lot in 2020. Another thing I've been trying to do, and I can, is to change my point of view, Right? And you can argue that getting close is actually a subset of changing your point of view, but it's a bigger idea. We see the world at eye height of, you know, whatever height you are. So I'm, you know, five foot, what am I, five eight? Um, So I see the height, you know, at the world at like five four or whatever. How many inches are between the top of my head and my eyeballs? Say five six. Um, And that's my view on the world. But if I change where I look at the world, then I will see the same scene very differently. Now, the easiest way to change your point of view is to get low. Right? It is also the safest way to change your point of view is to get low. Hunker down. And actually, camera phones are great for this because you don't have to look through them. Right? So you can you can hunker down and get your iPhone or sorry, your 
your phone, it doesn't have to be an iPhone, could be, you know, your Samsung, whatever. Get it low down to the ground and see what the world looks like from a dog's eye view. For, you know, that sort of level, or a child's eye view. Maybe don't go down quite so low. But really, because you don't have to look through a phone camera, you really, really can get really low really easily without having to get your knees dirty, let alone... When I was shooting with a DSLR in the autumn, I would often lie, you know, flat on my belly in the in the middle of grass to get, you know, nice shots looking up at leafy trees or whatever. But you don't have to do any of that with a camera phone. You can just hunker down and... Hold the phone close to the ground, angle it up, and you know, see what you get. Um, so, getting down is definitely easy, and it's definitely safe. What can be equally as fun to give you equally as different a perspective is to do the opposite of getting down low, uh, which is to climb up high. But that comes with a giant big caveat: saying carefully climb up high. And, like I say, nowhere near as easy to do as getting down low. But if opportunity presents itself in a safe way, why not? It is a different way of seeing the world. The other way to do it is a selfie stick or something, I guess. Hold it up and point down and see what the world looks like from above. Another thing you can do is just to purposely shoot stuff from the opposite angle to what you would normally do, right? A lot of the time when you have pictures of flowers, the background is the ground, right? You you are taller than the average flower. So you bend down, you point your camera phone at the flower and you snap a picture. So you are looking down on the flower. You're seeing the ground as the background of your shot. Well, what happens if you get low and look up at the flower? And what you have as your background instead is the sky or tree canopy or you know something that is higher than the flower or you could do the inverse of the things that you would normally shoot up at if there's a way to maybe shoot down on them again that involves possibly climbing and things so again with the whole caveat of being careful or you know just try to shoot something from an angle that's not the natural default way of looking at it try see if you can you know look up when you would normally be looking down or look down when you would normally be looking up or come at it from the side instead of face on, you know, just change the angle at which you look at things. That's another way to change your point of view. Um, so, you know, get close, change your point of view. And then the other thing that I have been having a lot of fun with, really for the last year, um, so since about this time last year, in fact, since Apple released the iPhone 11, um, I, I went to an 11 Pro last year, and Two things, really, that sort of excited me a lot photographically. One of them I'll come back to later, but one of them is also the wide-angle lens. I didn't know how much I missed a wide-angle lens until I had a wide-angle lens and realised how massively it changes the point of view. Um, It allows you to see the world in a way that is different to the normal eye height, eye field of view, view of the world. And I absolutely love going low and wide. So basically, take the two, you know, take the previous advice of changing your point of view, combine that with a wide angle point of view. And that, I think, it can be really good fun because you, you, 
you get a view of the world where the sky is way more important in the shot than it is otherwise. Otherwise, there's not much sky in your photographs, particularly in suburbia. But if you can get low and wide, the sky, the trees, these things can dominate the frame so much more if you go low and wide. And you can go really low and wide, and then you have the advantage of having you know, something in the foreground. Basically, what I like to do is to get close to something with a wide-angle lens, because that lets a single photograph give you two the view at two scales simultaneously. So if you can get close to a flower with a wide-angle lens, then you will see the flower as a substantial part of your frame. And you'll see where that flower is. So you can have detail and context together by getting close and wide. And you can also get close, low and wide, um, which I absolutely love doing at really fall is, or autumn, as I would say, but fall, as Americans would say, is the perfect time because getting low, close and wide to leaves is, I think, the best way to get interesting fall colour, autumn colour shots because what makes autumn so spectacular isn't just the colour at the big scale and it isn't just the shape of the leaves. If you can capture both, then you're really getting the feel for autumn. And to me, the way you do that is you get low and wide so your foreground is, you know, find a nice leaf, one that's properly shaped and hasn't been all battered nicely coloured, you frame that front and centre, maybe stick the camera in portrait mode, low and wide, and then angle back so that you can get the trees the leaf came from, maybe on a path or something to give some leading lines or whatever, and the leaf in the foreground. But that same concept applies to lots of things. So another another place that concept would apply might be to fungi, right? To get low to a mushroom, look up at it and sit down on it, and have the setting in the shot as well as the mushroom. So, you know, wide angle is definitely fun. Now, one of the things I really like that Apple chose to do with the entire iPhone 11 lineup, and they've done it again with the 12, is instead of it being that everyone gets the default camera and the zoom camera, they went the other way. Everyone gets the default camera and the wide, and only the pro phones get the zoom. And I think that's amazing because, frankly, the zoom is way less useful than the wide. So I love the fact that the focus is on the wide in the iPhone line. And even if you don't have a phone with a wide angle lens, there are options, which we'll talk about in a moment. You can basically get a little gadget to stick in front of your lens to make your lens be wide. So that, you know, that's, that's a great thing to do. So before I go into my final suggestion, um, I want to give a shout out to a specific listener. So, okay, I got a lot of feedback on the last episode. I got a lot of support on Patreon, a lot of support on PayPal, and I got one piece of extremely tangible support from my podcasting partner in crime for things like Security Bits, Taming the Terminal, Programming by Stealth, and more, and the wonderful Alison Sheridan from the Nocillacast over at podfee.com. Uh, who totally rocks, just to say, Alison, you rock. So 
when she heard me struggling with inspiration, she didn't tell me she was doing this, but she ordered me a set of clip-on lenses for my phone. In fact, it was the Amir 2-in-1 smartphone lens kit and had them shipped to me. And they just arrived out of the blue. I had no idea what it was. I opened it up. Hey, presto. What an amazing surprise. And perfectly illustrates the point I was trying to make. That a little bit of spice, a little bit of change to get a different point of view on that same place you're stuck thanks to the pandemic is so helpful to get some inspiration. So what's in this little set that Alison bought for me, this two-in-one from Amir, is a macro lens and an ultra-wide-angle lens. So I haven't done a lot of experiments with the ultra-wide because the iPhone already does wide really well. Uh, But the macro has... I've had so much fun with the macro. So a macro lens allows your, your camera, in this case my phone, to focus more closely than it would without the macro lens. So if you take a normal camera phone and you hold a coin or a flower or something half an inch away from the camera, it will be incapable of focusing. One of these clip-on macro lenses will allow you to focus in ridiculously close to things, which means that that concept of getting close, you can get really close. You can take that to the absolute next level. Um, and I was, I was blown away by, by this gift from Alison. And she could have pretended she spent $100 on me and I would have believed her because they actually feel like really high quality lenses. But no, Alison happily volunteered that they were $16. So $16 for a whole new way of seeing the world with your existing camera phone. Wow, right? So I, I would recommend anyone who's in a bit of a rut For so little money, you can just have a whole new point of view on the world. And as I say, if you have a camera that doesn't have a wide angle, if you have a phone that doesn't have a wide angle, then one of these kit lenses for, you know, less than 20 bucks, now you do have a wide angle. So that opens up all of the previous, you know, suggestions I was making. So, you know, get low, get wide, get close, get wide, all of that stuff. So, you know, for just... A couple of dollars, you can absolutely spice things up. And there's more, you know, there's more options for this kind of thing than just um, than just a macro or a wide angle, right? You can really go nuts on these things. Now, a lot of these cheap lenses are not particularly good optically, and they'll do chromatic aberration, all sorts of stuff, but you can embrace that, and you can turn it into quirkiness of the pictures and have fun with it instead of trying to fight it. So... It will give you a very different point of view. And if you're, you know, once you're into this world where, you know, it's not all about pure optical quality and perfect images, but it's about having a bit of fun, there's actually quite a few other things you can do. If you start, if you start poking around on the internet for clip-on lenses for phones, you'll discover things, you know, like tilt-shift lenses from the likes of Lens Baby that you can get for your phone so that you can make these stupendously thin depth of field effects, which make the world look like it's a toy model. Um, There's also kaleidoscope lenses that basically sort of give you the fly's eye view of the world where you have everything repeated multiple times. You can have fun with that, with, you know, getting close to flowers and things. 
There's also things called starburst filters, which are basically intentionally scratched pieces of glass which give you diffraction spikes. Um, so as you point at bright light sources, they do that cool star thing in real life so you don't have to do it afterwards in post. So yeah, And there's ultra-wide angle, wide angle, zoom lenses, macros, all that kind of stuff. So for not much money, you can give your existing phone, regardless of what maker model it is, a whole new personal life. Oh yeah, fish eyes. There's loads of fish eyes. They're all over eBay for you know next to nothing, all less than 20, 20 bucks. So, so much opportunity here to just spend a small amount of money to open up a whole new world. And I think what Alison said to me was, you know, look, as long as you get $16 worth of enjoyment out of it, I'll be happy. Well, only had the thing, what, a week, maybe a week and a half. I've had $160 worth of fun with this thing. It's just, it's completely opened things up. And it's just so small. I just stick it in my pocket when I go out for my lunchtime walk. And if something interesting happens at a teeny tiny scale, I just clip it onto my phone, snap a picture and off to Twitter with it within seconds. It's just so much fun. So, you know, you really, really can spice things up with these little inexpensive gadgets. And like I say, if your phone doesn't do the wide angle lens, which I think is a really, 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 my absolute favorite thing is wide angle, then that's definitely a way to go. Um, another way to spice things up, actually, another gadget I've had a lot of fun with over the last 12 months, and it's going to become more of a thing now, um, is a mini tripod. Because the second thing Apple did with the iPhone 11 that I really enjoyed, apart from the wide angle lens, is the addition of night mode. And if you take night mode and you combine it with a teeny tiny mini tripod, you know, the one I have is literally pocketable. And I think it was $25 or something. It means that while I'm out for evening walks, as the stars gets dark earlier and earlier, I can actually use the tripod to get 10 second night mode shots or 30 second night mode shots, I think is the maximum it goes to actually. And at that level, you actually start having your phone camera taking astronomical shots showing like, you know, the constellation Orion over the canal and stuff like that which is bizarro world that we can take astronomical shots with a camera phone as long as we spend 20 bucks on a teeny tiny tripod. Like, cool, right? So again, another inexpensive little thing. And once you have a little tripod, then time lapse is also open to you as a way to add a bit of spice. And there's apps for the iPhone that let you do uh, light trails and all sorts of things, assuming you can keep your phone steady. So a teeny tiny little tripod is an extremely good way of spending a small amount of money for a large amount of fun. Um, and I guess... I don't actually have it in my show notes, but I guess also, you know, apps for doing cool things in post, another way to have some more fun. So lots and lots of things. So spice it up, basically. A bit of cheap tech can just add a whole bunch of spice to the same old, same old, if you think you're always getting the same shots. So I guess just to recap, the way I, when I think about it properly, the way I have been finding inspiration while I've been confined so much in 2020, is I've been watching how things change over time, which is what I dedicated the last show to. I've been changing my point of view in all sorts of ways. For me, primarily, it's getting close. I'm doing an awful lot of close-up shots, finding the little details and finding the, the beauty and inspiration that way. Also been trying to change my point of view, particularly by going, you know, shooting from below or getting down low. I've also spent a lot of time playing around with the wide angle lens, particularly getting close and wide, low and wide, or low, close and wide. And I have been having so much fun the last couple of weeks with a macro lens, a clip on macro lens from my phone. 
Um, and also then a teeny tiny phone tripod gave me a lot of joy last autumn and winter. And I am sure it will again over the next while as you know, our clocks will change a few weeks time and then it will be dark very early. So I imagine I'll be spending a lot more time taking photographs in night mode. So I hope that if, like me, you're struggling to find inspiration in these uh, interesting times, I hope my experiences prove helpful to you. Before I wrap up for the day, I'm going to throw in a little bonus tip. Um, I was I listen to a lot of podcasts because I spend a lot of time walking and cycling, um, more so in 2020 because it helps me clear my head and stay sane, frankly. Um, one of the podcasts I keep in my rotation is from Ireland's National Broadcaster. So it's Ireland's equivalent of the BBC. It's called RTE, Radio Television. And I don't know why I said that with such a terrible diddly eye accent. Uh, anyway, RTE, Radio Television, uh, which stands for Radio Television Ireland. Not very exciting. Anyway, they do, there's a radio series that is broadcast on Radio 1, which has the very imaginative name, The Documentary on One. I think that's brilliant. A documentary series on Radio 1 is called The Documentary on One. Okay. Um, their subject matter is extremely varied, but they tend to be fascinating no matter what the subject matter. Uh, so I, I always listen, even if it's something I don't think I'll enjoy, because usually I'm wrong. Usually I will enjoy it even if it's a topic that I didn't think was interesting. Well, the the show before the current one is one I was pretty darn sure would be interesting because the show was built around two lives connected by a photograph, a very specific photograph, um, Grief of a Nation. It's a shot which made newspaper headlines around the world in the aftermath of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy of a young girl weeping. And it just, the photograph captured the mood of the nation and it was picked up by the wire services and it went around the world. I think it was on Le Monde and all sorts of places. So it is an iconic photograph. But the documentary isn't about the photograph. The documentary is about the two participants in that photograph, the photographer and the subject and the very strange and fun ways their lives have intermeshed with each other over time. It's a fascinating story. You get a really good insight, frankly, into what it's like to be a news photographer. And in fact, the photographer is interviewed extensively throughout the documentary. It's a fascinating view of you know, how professional photographers think. And you also get the point of view of what it's like to be the subject of a famous photograph. How that sort of celebrity from nowhere affects you. It's, as I say, excellent documentary. Um, so there's links in the show notes to listen along on the RTE website or to listen along because the radio program is available as a podcast. So if you search actually documentary on one, um, you'll find it. The icon is sort of a, a big blue one. Um, is the icon for the podcast. Uh, but the link is in the show notes. So I would highly recommend the specific episode called Grief of a Nation, which is very photography focused. But to be honest, I would recommend the entire series to everyone. And that goes double if you have a connection to Ireland, if you are, you know, you live here 
or you have family here, or you just are a part of the massive Irish diaspora around the world. If you have some sort of link to Ireland, if you feel you're Irish in some way, then Documentary One is a great way to get a little taste of home. And the stories are always fascinating and interesting. And I find their production values extremely high and I, I find them fascinating, um, no matter what the topic. So two picks in one, Grief of a Nation episode of the Documentary on One and just the Documentary on One as a podcast or a radio program, if you prefer to listen to radio. Okay, well, that is going to draw a line under it for October 2020. Um before I go, a big thank you again to everyone who responded so kindly to my plea for a little bit more listener support last month. You guys rock. All of you rock. Um, And to those of you who have been supporting the show for years, you guys ultra rock. Um, you know, As I say, this isn't something I do for profit. This is something I do for fun, but because, because life. It has to break even. Like it, I do it for fun, but it can't cost me. It can't. It can't be an expense. Um, but as long as it breaks even, I'm a happy camper, and we're we're back into the ballpark. We were we were drifting away from it breaking even, and thanks to the uptick in support after last month's show, it's not exactly breaking even, but we're back within spitting distance of breaking even, um, which makes such a difference. Um, so I really do appreciate that. Um, but again, it's 2020. So I am extremely aware that I am not the only person who needs to worry about making ends meet. Oh, you know, so many of us on planet Earth are in that situation. So if you enjoy the show and you really want to help, but giving financially is just not something that works for you right now, then have no fear. You can actually support the show in really practical ways that costs nothing but a small amount of your time. Spread the word. Tweet about the episodes. Post about them on Facebook or whatever social media you use. Tell an actual friend, you know, I was going to say in real life, but no, over Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or whatever you're using to stay in touch with your actual friends while you're being physically distant. Spread the word makes such a difference, right? So they say that if you have a podcast where 1% of listeners contribute in any way, you're doing really well. And that's, I, I doubt 1% of listeners are contributing to the PayPal or the Patreon. Um, but even if it's 0.1%, if you can't be one of that 0.1%, if you tell 10 people, well, then the chances are one of them will contribute financially. So you don't think you're contributing financially, but well, just telling more people about the show means the show will get more support. It's just inevitable that if there are more listeners, there will be more support. So just helping spread the word genuinely is a way of helping me pay the bills and make ends meet. So, you know, it's, as I say, spread the word is a really easy way to help. And I really appreciate everyone who does that. Okay, I'm going to stop waffling on. Um, stay safe. I hope you can manage to stay inspired, even as those of us in the Northern Hemisphere face into an uncertain winter. Those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, hey, summer is coming. Have extra fun with your camera. And those, you know, those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, try have fun despite the fact that winter is coming. And uh, bottom line, until next time, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. 
Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchYOS.com with my co-host, Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great Apple guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is InTouchWithIOS.com.